0: There's a lot writing on this question of, you know, how do we come about valid truth claims?
1: It's a rainy November day in Professor Tad Bellu's anthropology class. If you listen closely, you can hear the drops of rain falling from three missing ceiling tiles. Not the rain or the leaky ceiling or the bucket collecting water in the corner of the room are distracting for the 21 women in Bellu's class. The women sit silently at long tables, listening to Professor Bellu's lecture. The lesson today, postmodern problems in anthropology with interpretation and storytelling.
0: We're actually talking about the modern condition.
1: What you're hearing is a class unlike many others. It's taking place at the Central California, California Women's Facility in Chalchilla, a town in the heart of Central Valley. It's the world's largest women's prison. Here, 2,100 women have been imprisoned for crimes such as manslaughter, assault, and other felonies. Unlike the other thousands of women in this prison and in others across California, these 21 incarcerated college students are earning their bachelor's degree from Fresno State University, one of the first of such programs for women in
2: California.
0: How do we build knowledge?
2: I always took shortcuts in life. I didn't worry about a high school diploma, dropped out, took the short way.
1: That's Melanie Gandara, A 51-year-old incarcerated person and a Fresno State student who is part of this first class of women to pursue a bachelor's degree while in prison. She's serving a 23-year sentence, with three years left to go until she's released. Melanie was convicted of manslaughter, gang activity, and attempted murder. It would take a life behind bars before Melanie set her eyesight on improving her education. Here she is speaking about how she didn't earn her GED until she was imprisoned.
2: So I was 38 when I got my GED, it took me years in the street, couldn't do it, and Just and uh, forget it, forget it. So when I got my GED, it opened, like, phew, I was like, I didn't even know that my, uh, that my thinking expansion was, I was like, whoa, I could absorb this. And from there, I just kept going, came to prison and got on the first list to uh, get into the community college program.
1: This is a special edition of Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Ashley A. Smith, a higher education reporter for EdSource. For the past two years, I've been interviewing incarcerated students participating in a growing movement to expand bachelor's degree programs in California prisons. For decades, the state's community colleges have partnered with the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation to offer incarcerated people the chance to get their associate degrees behind bars. Nearly all of the state's 34 prisons offer associate degrees through the community colleges. Now, the California State University and the University of California Systems are joining in, offering bachelor's degrees in several state prisons. The first such partnership started in 2016 between Cal State LA and Los Angeles County Prison in Lancaster, offering bachelor's degrees in communication. Since then, a host of partnerships between the universities and prisons have followed, including between Sacramento State and Folsom State Prison, Cal State LA and the California Institution for Women, and in 2024, Cal Poly Humboldt at the Pelican Bay State Prison. The women's prison in Chowchilla is located, well, a bit in the middle of nowhere. There's a men's prison, Valley State, down the road, some homes a mile or two away. It's a classic prison town, with over a third of the town's population either housed in or employed by the two prisons. The women's prison is a fortress surrounded in razor wire with multiple layers of security, gates, checkpoints, and guards to get from one place to another. When I arrived inside the compound, I saw women, all wearing the same plain blue sweats, sweaters, and jackets, making their way to and from their college classes down outdoor hallways, connecting multiple buildings. Inside is where they earn their community college degrees, GEDs, and now bachelor's degrees. Some sit on benches outside of these classes talking together, studying, or reading. The prison's classrooms look like the typical high school or college class with desks, laptops, whiteboards, and a screen in the front.
0: If everything we know, we know through our culture and cultures vary across the world and they're all different solutions for living and ways of understanding the world, how do we know when we can really come down to a sort of stable place of saying, this is a fact?
1: The screen at the front of Bellew's anthropology class on this day features various images. One of George Floyd, while another shows an image of a person behind bars and the quote, incarceration changes lives. Only the word lives is crossed out and replaced with the words, your life.
3: For me, coming from an urban community, um, I'm one of like the first generations to actually uh, go to school. Um, when I came to prison, I didn't have a GED. And... Um, I had, like, an elementary school uh, education.
1: That's Kanesha Sharon Sinclair, also incarcerated at Chalchilla. She got her GED and two associate's degrees while incarcerated there.
3: And now I'm working on my bachelor's, but it's just, it's just like a blessing because I never thought that was for me. I never seen people in my community um, with higher educations. You know, I don't think my mother had a higher education. My father had a higher education. Um, it's just life-changing. It just shows that... Um, that I can do anything, that I can do anything, and be amongst um, um, the positives of society, of the working people, and um, and I'm just um, I'm just grateful to um, be able to get my education.
1: Sinclair is serving a 43 year sentence. It's been a hard road for her and her family, but Sinclair says although she's behind bars, being a college student has given them something to be proud of.
3: When uh, Ms. Ford called me and a couple students told us we got us up to the Bache I couldn't believe it because I watch like college football games and I see the camaraderie of like people together and I just wish it was me and now I'm a part I'm a part of that like I could watch Fresno State playing. Like that's that's my school, <laughs> like you know, like that's my school. That's where I root for. So, like um, my family um, encourages me and root me on, and um, it's just it's just like amazing. My niece is getting her bachelors right now. While I'm I'm getting my bachelors, I just I just never thought I came to prison with, uh, at 20 years old. So I, I never thought ever that like this can be for me.
1: College degree programs, like the one offered at the Chowchilla Prison, can have ripple effects. Here's another incarcerated student, Kelsey Morrissey, who is serving 16 years to life for second-degree murder. I
4: actually influenced my niece.
1: You influenced your niece? To go for her education,
4: both her mom's a single mom and her dad's in and out of prison, and she's getting her Ph.D. at Virginia Tech right now. So you influenced her, or did she influence you? How did that work? I influenced her. We were going around the same time, and we
1: just competed in grades. (laughs) Are you beating her? No. (laughs) Kelsey, who is also a military veteran, said there's a certain level of respect the students receive from within the prison, too.
4: We're like the elite group. A lot of people have heard of us but they don't know us so the ones that know me are just like I can do it too. You've done it and I want to get my AA so I can get in there and I'm always telling them get good grades. It's not an easy slide in to get in your BA. You have to achieve it. You have to do the work to get it.
1: Incarcerated people apply to the colleges just as traditional students do, completing applications and filling out essays. These students must have earned a fully transferable Associate of Arts degree to be eligible for enrollment in the BA program.
4: We understand that this isn't afforded to us. It's it's something we worked for in here, but it's something we're proud of. And I wanna take it further. I wanna get my master's. If Mm -hmm. it doesn't start in here, I'm gonna work to get it when i get out i want to um i want to be that role model for people that couldn't do it even in here i'm a role model every day i'm telling these girls that are in the the program to get their aa you know get it and go further go talk to miss our teacher here that sets it up and you got a voice for yourself and that's how you get into the program. You have to get those good grades. You have to do what's yeah. right. You have to stay out of trouble. You have to keep your head on straight and just move forward and grow every day.
1: I asked professor Bellu, the women's anthropology professor, how different is it to teach in a prison compared to back on the Fresno state campus? Bellu taught previously at Valley state prison before volunteering to teach the women,
0: you know, on campus, there are students who, you know, get sidetracked, get under motivated, get distracted by, you know, life. Um, and you find that far less among these students. They're very focused. They're very driven. They uh, they have a definite goal. And and it's pretty extraordinary to see, you know, how committed they are to that. And they're wanting more. I mean, right now they only have at most two courses a semester. And right now I think they only have one. And uh, the question was put to them recently, if three or four were, were possible, would they be interested? And virtually all of them were, yeah, bring it, you know.
1: Bellu says his courses in the prison are mostly the same in structure and content as the ones he teaches at Fresno State. The differences that do sometimes arise are mostly technical adjustments he has to make in the class. For example, the students at Chalchilla have laptops, but the connectivity is, in his words, dicey.
0: For example, I use podcasts or, or video. It's, it's difficult because of the limited connectivity that's there. And the limited storage space on the, on the laptops and so, and, and things like that. So I, I can't sometimes use all of the elements of a course that I, I, I might be using on the, in the campus version of it. Uh, but overall, these are courses, as I say, about the human experience broadly conceived and they're discussion based. So there's more than enough, enough opportunity. Uh, for that in just the live face-to-face meetings that we get to have.
1: For many of the women, however, navigating prison life and the life of a college student has its challenges. Here's Melanie
2: Gandara and Kelsey Morrissey again. We live in an environment where it's unpredictable. Anything can go. You know, It could be the roommate that causes something, and there goes my degree out the window because we're implicated just for being... At it, it, a certain um, place and time, you know, and so you walk that path every day, and it, it's, it's a challenging path, but we walk it. We get up every morning, we go to work, we do what we gotta do to stay in this program. And that is the only, like when you wake up, that's, we know that's, we go to meet her work together. So, like, oh, okay, did you study this? Did you get this? We got the info here what about your laptop? We find ways to network when our system's down, when our laptop's down, when we don't have Wi-Fi, and then make it here on time to school, you know, and then make it back. Thursday's busy for me. After this, I go to N.A., you know?
4: There was times when we had a study at 114 degree weather outside to get Wi-Fi this so Wi-Fi. we can do homework. And we were burnt. Burnt. We, there was five from each yard sitting in a circle trying to do our homework in the middle
2: of... The day hot just and right because. over there there could be inmates fighting or there could yeah. be this and you know and we're like right, you guys
1: come on a host of bachelor's degree programs are growing across california's prisons csu has had a long-standing program at cal state la including programs for women, like this one at Cholchilla and at the California Institute for Women in Chino. Several others are beginning to emerge across the system. This year, the University of California at Irvine campus joined in with its Lifted program, which will grant bachelor's degrees to incarcerated students out of Richard Donovan Prison in San Diego. And starting this fall, CSU Dominguez Hills will begin the state's first master's degree program in prison.
5: College programs in prison existed robustly in the 70s and 80s. There was an ethic of rehabilitation in our prisons and a sense that people could better themselves in prison, um, could be reformed, could be released. And education was an integral part of that.
1: That's Professor Kara Mitt Ryder, a criminology and law professor on the Irvine campus and founder of the Lifted program. She has been teaching in prison since the late 1990s and studies the impact of extreme confinement conditions on people.
5: In 1996, as part of major conservative criminal justice reforms, Pell Grants were abolished for incarcerated students. So that meant that there was no longer any federal aid for people in prison to access college programs. And as a result, almost every college program across the country shut down. There were a few here and there, mostly private, very small liberal arts programs um, run by colleges that could afford to make that investment without any financial federal public support. Over time, I think we have seen, particularly in states like California, that our prisons aren't very successful at doing what they're supposed to do. So in California, we have a three-year recidivism rate approaching one in two people going back to prison within three years of release. So we spend in this state almost $100,000 per person per year to incarcerate someone. That's on average. So that's like you know at a medium security facility. And for that massive social investment, we get uh, almost one in two people going back to prison within three years. So I think there's an increasing sense, particularly in states like California, which have some of the um, largest state prison populations in the country, that we're spending all this money and we're not necessarily getting a return on our investment. Um, and so I think that it makes sense that California, being such a huge spender on corrections, seeing such high recidivism rates, um, was also at the forefront in the 2010s of starting to rethink um whether there were other more effective ways to invest in uh, people who had committed crimes and started investing in education programs in the state. And we see that at the federal level too. Um, there have been initiatives starting in late 2016, 17 to pilot new Pell programs. So to pilot federal financial aid in prisons. And then of course, um, just this July, we see the reinstatement of Pell across the country for incarcerated students um, after m- more than 25 years.
1: Professor Ryder points out that with an education, those recidivism rates drop dramatically.
5: It has a phenomenal impact on recidivism. We often hear in corrections that we don't know what works or we're not sure what works or we're not sure about the impact, but we know about the impact of education. So studies that have looked at people who participate in college If you earn a bachelor's degree in prison, your recidivism rate approaches zero. Of course, you know, there are questions about who goes into college programs in prison. Are they are we selecting certain students who are particularly likely to succeed? But one of the things that's so exciting about what's happening in California is there are thousands of students going to college and we're seeing just incredibly successful. Right. We're seeing those students really um, excel both, um, you know, doing well in prison, getting released, and um, going on to finish four-year degrees, go to graduate school. I personally think if someone is going to come out of prison and be my neighbor, I would much rather they have a college degree than not, given all of these statistics we've talked about, given their ability to then get a job and succeed upon release.
1: College and prison programs have also garnered a lot of bipartisan support in Congress and within the state. This summer, students in prison will be able to fully access the Pell Grant once again to pay for their college degrees. One other phenomenon has developed in California's prison and college education programs. Some programs in other states have chosen to limit participation to incarcerated people who are expected to be one day released. But in California, many programs have extended the opportunity to get a degree to incarcerated people who have been sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. But some some students uh may have life without parole or or may not have the possibility of a release. So why open a college program up to those students to
5: to those inmates? We have a sense of sentences being fixed, but they're constantly changing, and it's it's hard to predict. Um, especially as we see some of our sentences getting getting challenged as as unconstitutional.
1: So basically, some people with life sentences may end up getting released. And besides, writer says educating incarcerated people isn't just about reducing recidivism. There are benefits in giving educational opportunities even to those who might never leave prison.
5: Even if someone does stay in prison, I think an education can be valuable in terms of their ability to Um, have a meaningful life in prison, support other people in prison, mentor other people in prison. One thing we're hearing from our students is that as they go to college, their nieces and nephews or kids or sometimes even siblings or parents are themselves inspired to go back to college outside of prison. So I think, you know, we tend to think of prison as this place where we've successfully isolated people from the world, but the fact is, they have friends and family on the outside that they're connected to, and when they go to college, I think it has really important collateral consequences.
1: Two years ago, I met Alan Burnett. He was one of the first students to graduate at California University while incarcerated as part of the Cal State LA program at the Los Angeles County Prison in Lancaster. In 1992, Burnett was arrested at 18 years old for murder, kidnapping, robbery, and gang activity. Burnett's victim was Joseph Kondrath, a community college student who was warming up his car when Burnett and two of his co-defendants carjacked Condrath and placed him in the trunk of the car. Burnett, who was inebriated during the incident and his co-defendants then committed a drive by shooting using Condrafts' car. One of Burnett's co-defendants ended up shooting and killing Condrath. Although Burnett didn't pull the trigger, he was eventually sentenced to life without parole for the role he played in Kondrath's murder.
6: Because I had life without the possibility of parole, like being involved in like positive programming didn't even exist at that time.
1: Alan said after a while, he just wanted to show his mom that he could do something positive with his life. By the 2000s, he started taking associate degree programs and became sober. In 2010, Alan was transferred to the L.A. County Prison in Lancaster.
6: There were hundreds of men, literally hundreds, sentenced to life without the possibility of parole and best that sentence means death by incarceration. That means you will never get out of prison. You will die in your cell or you're never coming home. But these men, these guys were teaching classes. They were interacting with other races. There was big softball games, basketball games, food sales, and men were eating out of the same bowl. And like, and it was, it was, I couldn't even wrap my head around like what I was seeing because that's just not how I grew up. And um, it was hard for me to adjust.
1: Eventually, Allen became part of the first group of men to enroll in the bachelor's degree program through Cal State LA. By then, he had three associate degrees in American Studies, Arts and Humanities, and Social Behavioral Science.
6: We were building up our own self-efficacy. And in addition to that, we were saying, listen, you told us that our sentence says that we are garbage, that we deserve to die in prison, that we have no value, no self-worth. But we're gonna show you that that's not true. I'm getting my education, not just for me, but to show you that people do have value and have self-worth, including me and the rest of the men on the facility. So we understood, this is, a, this is why our, our, this facility was so structured the way it was, because we understood what our sentence meant. And we were desperate and we were trying to let people know, hey, that we were alive, we're here and we're not all bad.
1: In 2014, Allen applied for a commutation. It would be three years before he would interview with a representative from the parole board about potentially being released. In the meantime, he said he focused on classes and work. But in 2019, while working on a class assignment, he got the call from the governor's office that his sentence would be reduced and commuted.
6: I just sat on the bench with uh, with my my, uh, friends and I was just crying. And then I went in and then they put me on the phone and he said the governor decided to commute your sentence to 27 years to life. Um, He recognized like your age at the time of your crime, the role you played in your crime, and everything that you've done since you've been incarcerated, including your education.
1: He eventually went on to pursue his master's degree in communication studies from Cal State LA.
4: Hello, everyone. If we could get everyone seated, so that we can get the show on the road.
1: In 2021, Allen, along with his cohort of classmates, became one of the first to graduate at California University while incarcerated. Family and friends of the graduates attend and watch the traditional graduation ceremony take place in one of the wide open prison yard spaces. The graduates, wearing their black caps and gowns, put on performances, listened to speeches from their professors and prison administrators, before ultimately hearing their names and walking across the stage to receive their Cal State LA degrees.
0: Show them some love.
1: Even after he was released, Allen returned to the Lancaster prison to speak during the graduation ceremony.
4: So Allen Burnett.
0: I
6: had this whole speech prepared, and then I got a chance to come here and see y'all, and my heart is full. I love y'all. We miss you guys. Every night we we're on the group chat, we're talking about you. I told Moody the other day, I said, Moody, we're all so excited about coming back to prison. I said, we got to be institutionalized or something. <laughs> he said, no, nah, we just miss you guys. But uh, I'm going to be brief. I want to thank the department. Thank you for allowing us to have the opportunity to have this program here on the progressive programming facility. And I want to thank Cal State LA for taking the chance on us on life without the possibility of parole. Inmates sentenced to death by incarceration—that's what that means. I want to thank the professors. Y'all changed our lives. When I say you changed our lives, <clears throat> you didn't just come here and just have us recite a bunch of stuff and and just give lectures you added to our understanding of who we are as human beings through you we were able to develop the language where we can go out and be advocates for ourselves you allowed us to believe in ourselves when we didn't you gave us the tools you gave us the understanding and then we taught y'all something too that there's human beings inside these prison walls but we love you too i miss y'all I miss y'all. I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna go. We're the 12 of us, the 11 of us who had life without the possibility of parole. We're not the exception We're the proof of what happens when you put the California Department of Corrections and a major university together to work on rehabilitation. My name is Alan Burnett. I was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. I served 28 years. The last 10 years I spent on this yard, growing and learning with these men. And what I want my legacy to be, I wanna see all y'all free.
1: The women in Chowchilla ultimately want to follow the example set by the men in that Cal State L.A. prison program and earn their bachelor's degrees. Melanie Gandara learned that with less than three years left to go on her sentence, she's eligible for the Community Transfer Reentry Program, which allows incarcerated women to serve the rest of their sentence in the community at a special facility that provides employment and other social supports. Many incarcerated people wait eagerly years and years to be accepted into the reentry program, including Melanie. But then she learned the program didn't offer an opportunity to complete her bachelor's degree.
2: They don't have anything for me. So now I'm endorsed to this program, and now I'm fighting to stay. I don't want to go. I want to leave. In my past was starting something, never finishing it. I do not want to leave without the rest of this.
1: When Melanie was first incarcerated, she left behind two children, one in high school and the other in elementary school. Today, she's a grandmother.
2: I want to keep going. I'm 51 years old now, so, and I have grandkids. And one day they're going to know Grandma was in here, but I want them to know that Grandma didn't just stay stagnant. Grandma worked. I did everything. This is what's the thing. It's scary, too, because it's like... I don't know if I would. I don't think I would have done that if I had not been caught and went to prison. They didn't have this when I first came. They didn't. Ha- so it wasn't like, oh, you come to prison, you get a free education. No, it, it's years in the making. To, I started in 2011, and I'm. It's going to be 2023, and I'm still going. I. I'm thinking about my mom, and I was like, oh. So it carries a lot of weight, and my mother said, if you can give me one thing, give me your education. And right before I graduated, she passed. So she didn't get to see me do that. But, you know, I'm still alive, and I got to have a happy ending to this story. You know, and and also to make sure that, you know, my victim, she has a daughter out there, you know, and she's not forgotten. She's not. That's for sure.
1: Alan, who saw his sentence ultimately commuted, came face-to-face with his victim's family during the parole board hearing that preceded his release.
6: While I was there, I really got to hear the devastation that I caused this family with my choices. And I needed to hear it, and it needed to be heard. But I was able to, you know, apologize. And apologies is a terrible word. I was able to say I'm sorry. And just to, you know, try to acknowledge what I had done. So... You know, I I dismantled this family and, yeah. So uh, I went back to my building that day. I got found suitable and it was the most exhausting dream thing I ever felt in my life. Um, I wasn't happy, you know, I was glad it was over.
1: About two weeks later, Alan said he received a letter from one of the family members of his victim.
6: He said that she sat there and she listened to everything that I said. And she said that she she believed me and she said that she forgave me, but she didn't forgive me for me. She did it for herself. But she said that she hoped that everything that I said was true, that I would stay sober, that I would continue to go to school and I would continue to do something positive with my life. And um, and so I still have the letter. I have it here in my home. And this just serves as a reminder of, like, the things that I've been through, and this is the impact that my choices have had on another person.
1: Although formerly incarcerated people like Allen and current ones like the women in the Chalchilla prison are working to make their and their families' lives better, their crimes created real victims, some who never got the chance to completely live out their lives. The support for college and prisons is widespread and crosses political lines. Both Republicans and Democrats supported reinstating federal financial aid to incarcerated people. But there are still some people who may question using public resources to educate prisoners, especially at a time when college affordability and access remain challenges for students on the outside. What do you say to people who are on the outside and they, they don't have an opportunity to go to college. They might be struggling with paying tuition and they look at you all and they say, wait a minute, they're they're going to college? I didn't do anything wrong. Why not me? What do you say to those people?
2: We, we committed crimes and we paid for it. We didn't just pay for it by doing time. We Our families are doing the time with us. We dragged them with us. So by getting this, it betters us. It makes us reach for the stars it makes us be better mothers and sisters yes maybe we can go out there and get a program that can help them with tuition too or you know it, there has to be a way for people that are out there to be blessed just as we were blessed i mean i don't know i just feel that we deserve a second chance and that nobody should just give up on us in more
1: ways than one
2: melanie is getting her second chance
1: She was released from prison earlier this month and is now on parole. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Education Beat, Getting to the Heart of California Schools, a production of EdSource. This episode is part of a multimedia series exploring college and prison. Be sure to visit ssource.org for more stories and a soon-to-be-released documentary on this topic to learn more about the students behind bars. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Project editor is Rose Ciota. Our CEO is Ann Vasquez. Special thanks to the Lancaster graduates from Cal State LA, the women incarcerated at the Central California Women's Facility, Fresno State University, Professor Karamit Ryder, and CDCR. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the Kresge Foundation. I'm Ashley A. Smith. Join us next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode.